Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I want to remind you to check out Zencaster. Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. That is my favorite program to use for all my recording needs. And the great part is, not only do they have audio, but they also have video options as well. So whether you're video conferencing, podcasting, just catching up with friends and loved ones, you definitely want to check out Zencaster. They have uh, paid subscriptions. They also have a free version, which I'm actually using right now. Transcripts, the whole nine yards, and even, get this, Zencaster has started to do hosting. So for all you podcasters out there, if you're looking for a host for your show, please consider Zencaster. You will not regret it. I'm telling you right now. Once again, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Made on Zencaster. That's right. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Festivus, Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate there, happy holidays to you all. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. And we have a special edition here for all of you travelers and what have you. Our main man, Sticks, is going to be joining me today. And I'm doing a little uh, switch on the programming there. The International Duke Day celebration will be combined with our last episode of the year. So stay tuned for next week. Uh, You'll hear that. But for now, let's get to our main man, Sticks. That's right. Dukemus Maximus, happy belated birthday, my brother. It's good to be back. It's uh, about time you class this joint up. I know, man. It's been a while. and, And, you know, I have to give you space to create more greatness so you can come back and then tell everybody about it. You know what I mean? That's that's how I justify these these little breaks in between uh, your appearances on the show, man. And I know I listened to your interview with Mr. Gomez yesterday. I thought it was great. Uh, and you all, you were talking about metrics. And I know for a fact, every time the world's most famous plaything is in your ears, your metrics go up, baby. I know it's true. Wait, now listen, and, and you're you're the guy that um you're a DJ at a uh, gentleman's establishment. Right. right. So what do you what do you call it? You 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 have your dollars have what on them? Oh, it's booty dollars, baby. Booty dollars. There you booty go. Booty dollars. Booty dollars. Uh so <laughs> I got a new car. It's got a booty keychain on it. Incredible. Incredible, incredible. How how's it how are the clubs this time of year? So this is the worst time of year to be a, a club DJ. Um, wow. And it's cyclical because it, I used to be able to predict month by month by month how much I was going to make on average. Uh, but since COVID, everything has been out of whack. But December notoriously is a bad month for clubs. Um, Daytona is a little different because we're by the beach and we get a little more tourist action. Uh, and then it'll pick up January, February. We got bike week, bike to- um, bike week, race week, spring break lasts for about six months down here or six weeks down here. So it'll be it'll be a good uh, spring, but uh, December, January usually rough months for the club. That's interesting. So so when does it start to turn again? When like what month? Usually, um, usually like mid February. Because we got uh, bike week, which is really 10 days, almost two weeks. All the bikers come down for vacation uh, to the world's most famous beach and party their faces off and spend a bunch of money. Um, 
it's going to be a little different this year because of the two hurricanes we had back to back that kind of destroyed the ocean side of things. Uh, a lot of the hotels are being renovated and uh, reformed, as it were. But I think we're going to—I think we're still going to have a good year. That's interesting. That's that's really you know people don't understand the economics of the the strip club industry, DJing, you know that form of entertainment. Uh, but it's a big deal, and in, in, in terms of when we talk about um, tourist attractions, if you have a good nightlife that includes good uh, adult entertainment establishments, you're generally going to have a healthy economy in that municipality. Yeah, and if you don't and, have and, that, and, and we're lucky in the sense that our club is located blocks from the beach. We're surrounded by other bars. So we get a lot of overflow uh, traffic as far as like people go out, say, say you go out about 930, you hit Seabreeze Boulevard, which is full of bars. You hit a couple bars, you get a, you get a little loose as it were. And then you walk by Molly Brown's and you go, Hey, let's go see a show. And you spend a little bit more money. So it, it works out nicely for us. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Now, now answer me this and, and give it to me straight here. If a if a uh, adult entertainer, a dancer, stripper, you know, I don't know what the proper terms are these days. They're entertainers. Um, okay, so if if one of the the entertainers buys you a drink, what does that mean? <laughs> well, help, usually it's help, help the other us way out. Well, but you know, listen, I in my in my younger years, I, I may have gone to a couple of establishments or or, or ten. Um, and it, numerous times, you know, the entertainers bought me drinks. Means you're a stud. Oh, okay. Listen, right. I've been trying to get you to come down to Florida for years so I could get some <laughs> glitter on your face. Um, I know that your lady will not approve. I know that sticks and duke on the town is a dangerous concept. But doesn't mean you wouldn't have fun, my brother. Listen, man, I, 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 you know what my issue is? I go into to the places like that, and it's been a long time, but... You know, uh, in my experience, the the dancers will come around and start talking to me, and then more will come around and start, and then they just want to have conversation. They're not even dancing anymore. They're literally just hanging out. And I don't know, you know, that's a very dangerous thing, Sticks. I could turn into Hugh Hefner if I'm not careful. It's because they want to take you in the back room and get the real money. Is that That's what it is. They're that's looking what at it me is, like, baby. You want that VIP. You yeah, gotta get that yeah. VIP wristband, man. <laughs> we gotta we gotta reel this one in here. <laughs> well, now I know it's not because of my my aftershave. Uh, it's because they think I have money. Look at that. All right. You know the guys that spend the least are usually the ones with the most. See, there it is. There it is. So you know, well, I'm happy to say, ladies and gentlemen, I've never you know lost my shirt at a strip club. I have. Um, okay. Well, that does not surprise. <laughs> me. <laughs> Listen, I, I I have no shame in my game. Uh, I've been rolled out of strip clubs before. Incredible, incredible, incredible. I mean, you you live an interesting life, man. You're you're a guy that, um, you know, you're you're in the adult entertainment industry. Can we call strip clubs the adult entertainment industry? Is yeah, because you got to be an adult to walk in the door. There it is. So you're in the adult entertainment industry. Um, you're in the pro wrestling industry. You know, you 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 have your your radio DJing past, but now you're you're just the the guy that gets the the, the party going. You know, I, we don't call you the master of ceremonies, but you are the uh, the DJ, right? Oh, absolutely! I am the maestro of the insanity, as it were. I love it. The maestro it. of the mischief. That's me. I love it. So so, how was 2022? Because, and I, and I want to roll it all into one. Pro wrestling. DJing, whatever else you've been you had going on. When you think back on this year, because the economy's been kind of crazy. I mean, there have been major highs, um, you know, different stimulus monies and and different things going on with Bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies. There have been some significant highs, and it seems like everything has pretty much crashed as we've gotten later into the year. Uh, you know, the FTX issue with the cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin took a huge dive. Um, a lot of that stuff has been just not in good shape. How has that affected you personally 
as a guy who, you know, your main source of income is entertainment. Like that's your, that's your bread and butter there. Has 2022 been a good year? It's okay. So what you just described has been my year pretty much. Um, Started out really good. Everything was gangbusters. And you started hearing the word recession. You started hearing slow economy and inflation and all the, all the big scary words that economists use to let everybody know we're all about to be broke. Right. And I was reading an article and yes, I do read folks um, that said the second strip clubs slow down, you know, that a recession is upon us. And that's exactly what happened. It's, it hasn't been horrible, but it hasn't been the best it's ever been either. Um, I think my year, for the most part, has been good. I've been very blessed and very lucky. But towards the end of the year, a lot of things externally started happening that were beyond my control, not just business-wise, but personally. So I had to sort of slow down when it came to wrestling and 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 do less so that I could focus on what was important, aka family, finances, things like that. That's deep. That's deep. But so twenty twenty three is gonna be the year of me. I can already Well that's tell. that's the question. That's the question. Twenty twenty three when you when you look at what's ahead of you, what's the forecast? Well Immediately forecast is going to be January 14th in Jacksonville, Florida at Murray Hill Baptist Church with the one and only Elijah Burke, the Pope, baby, if you will. We're going to raise some money for charity, the Love Alive charity, love-alive.org, cash app, cash sign, the Love Alive charity, donate. And what the Love Alive charity is, ladies and gentlemen, is a charity that helps homeless and less fortunate in the Duval County area feed themselves and have a place to live and all that stuff. And the Pope does all of that pretty much by himself. He has a, a team that helps him. Uh, Mr. Mr. Jefferson, who is his uh, right hand is a, is a financial whiz and a genuinely good human being, but I'm, I'm excited to be part of the next installment of the Duval brawl presented by the NWA. It'll be really cool to lend my voice to this really, really cool concept. I love it. I love it. So that's a, that's a great way to get the party started there. Um, I, it's funny. You and I were talking about, and, and you mentioned it a few moments ago uh, to kick off here. I had Jeremy Gomez back on the show, and he announced that Generation Championship Wrestling has ceased operations, no longer – Will he be promoting pro wrestling, um, especially through Generation Championship Wrestling, his company that he closed? And he wanted to come on and, you know, settle some scores. And I told him, I said, listen, man, I, I like to build, break, build. So let's start off with building. Let's talk about the people who you want to put over. And, and he had so many great things to say about some fantastic people, Robin Reed and um, Roxanne Perez and, and Aaron Nova, and et cetera, et cetera. Like he put some, some people over and he put you sticks way over. He put you so over that it, he, he literally broke down as he was talking about you, which I wasn't prepared for. I didn't see that coming. Um, I knew that, you know, he has a lot of respect and admiration for you, and that's been consistent. I've always felt that, you know, the young professor, Sticks, Jeremy Gomez, I always felt that that trio there was a, was a good trio. I think you guys always worked very well together. And I know that time and circumstances can push people apart, but I've always felt that, you know, you guys make sense. So it was interesting. Because he put he put the professor over as well, which kudos to that. Um, but he broke down talking about you, Sticks. I mean, and you heard it. What, what did you think? Well, until you told me he actually broke down and and, and was emotional about me, I, I didn't 
I knew that he respected me. And I appreciate that because that's all I've ever wanted from this business is respect and greatness. Those are the only two things I want for my life. Respect and greatness. Everything else will come. The money will come. The cameras will come. All of it. Right? So say what you want to say about Jeremy Gomez. And I've said this to his face and he'll hear it and know, dude, you're nuts. You're knucking futs, brother. But... Our relationship began because of the young professor. Uh, I was going to come with professor, just come to a show. And I reached out to Jeremy. And I just sent him a message. I said, hey, man, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to just show up. Um, sticks, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, I'm just coming. If you need anything, I'm there. If not, I'll just buy a ticket. And I think... That initial conversation, he immediately was like, hey, man, that's super respectful. I don't know if I need you, but I know who you are, and I think you're great, and I want to use you in the future. And that's just how it began. I know he and Professor had their falling out, and I know the details of that, which we don't need to discuss. But... I think it was very classy of Gomez to come on your show yesterday and say the things he said about Matt because that's my brother. And I mean that in the purest sense of the word. This is a guy, I'm talking about young professor, who when there's a hurricane and I have to leave the palatial beachfront estate, never hesitates to give me a spot on his couch. Never hesitates to make sure, invite me to things, make sure I got a meal. Because he knows my life is nuts. My life is, I don't have a normal life. This is the earliest I've been awake in three months, dude. Unless I'm going somewhere. Um, but I love Matt. And that's my family, 100%. So to know that they have a tift and they don't like each other anymore. And I don't always like Gomez either. He, like I said, he's got his own world, but I understand him to a point. You know, a lot of people want to call him crazy and just push him to the side and say, Oh, he's blah, blah, blah. I think what happened for him, he genuinely loves professional wrestling just as much as I do, or you do, or anybody else. But he also wanted to perform, which I don't fault him for because I love when the lights are bright. You put a mic in my hand, you got money. I guarantee it. But I think what happened for him is he got lost in Mr. Gomez. He forgot who Jeremy was for a little bit, got lost in Mr. Gomez. So he started to talk to everybody in front, behind, the side, left, right of the camera as Mr. Gomez. And that's how you damage relationships. When you forget that we're all, most of us anyway, are grown-ass human beings trying to be successful. When you forget to put the wrestling ego in front of the curtain and remember that you're a human being behind the curtain, I think that's what happens. I think you see... You you see people drift away from you when you forget that we're all trying to do the same thing. Everybody in wrestling is trying to get over. Everybody in life is trying to get over. Right? You're trying to be successful. I'm trying to be successful. We're all just trying to do it on different streets. But I think, and this, I'm not just talking about Jeremy here. I've had interactions with big, 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 big stars who forget to put the wrestling ego in front of the curtain and leave the rest behind it. And I think that's what happened to Gomez. And I think he got burnt out. Well, and you know what? It happens to the best of us. Um, success is an interesting thing. You know, when, when you achieve and if you achieve over and over again, it can definitely put you in a space where, Again, like you just said, you know, you can be separated from um, the ground level, so to speak, 
and you start feeling like, you know what, F you. You don't know what it took for me to be where I'm at right now, and I'm not listening to anybody else, and I'm going to do it this way. I'm exactly the same way. (laughs) Guilty as charged, you know? And I think that as creatives, to a certain degree, that's, that's actually a good thing. We need to be in our own head, and we need to follow our own instincts and things like that. But it becomes challenging when you got a family to support as well. And when you're trying to juggle multiple major things at once, and then you have this other thing, pro wrestling, which quite frankly is not the biggest thing Gomez has going on. It's just not. But it might be the thing that he is, he might be more passionate about because he's such a fan, first and foremost. And, you know, it just, it, it, it doesn't make sense when pro wrestling is not the biggest thing, but it's the thing that you're putting the most energy into. So if he has to put pro wrestling down in order to focus on his family and focus on his other business endeavors that are far more important, then do that. That's a healthy thing to do. And, you know, his, his mark on the industry and what he's done for so many people, including yourself, it can't be forgotten, and it won't be forgotten because we have it documented on this show. So there's no question what Jeremy Gomez's uh, contribution to pro wrestling has been, because I, I pretty much have been there from the beginning. Um, so you know, kudos to him for that, and kudos to you for coming on and, and putting him over right back because he definitely put you over. I, I was um, I was stunned. I'm not gonna lie. I I just and I I said it to him too. When I started Duke Loves Wrestling, I started this show, and for some reason, the Texas indie scene was my primary uh, place there. I Texas and China, of all places. Middle Kingdom Wrestling in China. You know, uh, uh, Adrian Gomez, talk about another Gomez, first person to ever be interviewed on Duke Loves Wrestling, right? First person to take the time to come on the show and, and talk wrestling with me and, and promote his, his promotion. And to this day, he still comes on and it's fantastic. But, you know, people like uh, Steve Do It To It Cox, Rudy Boy Gonzalez, Dusty Wolf, et cetera, et cetera, started coming on the show. And, and those guys had promotions in, in, in schools. So I got to talk to their indie wrestlers. And, you know, in the beginning of Duke Loves Wrestling, those guys kind of kept me going because I just had unlimited material talking to just their students alone and people that they were connected to alone. And then I saw a lot of those guys start butting heads and falling out with each other. And it was terrible because it's like, I'm not going to pick, pick sides because I met all of you together, you know? So <laughs> I'm not picking sides here. And I hope everybody comes back together, regardless of, of why you fell out. So it kind of troubles me to see the same thing happen in Florida. Because I've actually documented Florida even more than Texas. You know, after year two, that's when Florida really started getting going for me. And up to this day, like I have the most comprehensive telling of the Florida independent wrestling scene of the past five years. I have more of that than anybody. And I'm grateful for that. So to see guys have differences and, and, and spread apart. I just, I don't like it. I don't like it at all because I know how much you guys have been through with one another. And I know how much you, you guys truly have cared for one another, demonstrated how much you care for one another. So I just hope everybody can find a way to find common ground again. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends, but find common ground again and let's move forward. That's, that's my wish for everybody. And, and I'll just leave that at that. Um, you're always in the middle of things there, Sticks, unfortunately. <laughs> you know. It could be fortunate if you do it right. Well, there. Well, <laughs> I guess I set myself up for that one. <laughs> you know, listen, I, I, I wanted to ask you about something. Speaking of Florida. Did you did you catch that Teddy Hart documentary on, on Peacock? Oh, did I catch it? I watched it with two bags of popcorn, my brother. What do you want to know? Oh my god! Okay, so I, I did a I did a review of episode one, and I promised my audience that I would review the whole thing. 
there's been three episodes so far. And, you know, other things have popped up. Loki and Gomez and all that. Other things have popped up. So I've done other episodes. But I was surprised at how many people have reached out to me and say, hey, are you going to review the rest of that Teddy Hart documentary? And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know you cared that much. All right. Well, <laughs> it makes sense, though. Fine. Let's do this. Let's do this. So so you and I, Sticks, let's talk about episodes two and three. We'll just talk about it as one big thing. Okay. Um, because these episodes, they introduce Samantha Fiddler, who to this day is a missing person. No one seems to know what the hell happened to this poor lady. And people are concerned that Teddy Hart had something to do with it, or at least knows what happened. And when I did that This Is Chase and Rance series, and I did the This Is Chase and Rance, the reaction, which you and Jeremy Gomez are part of, and also uh, Ashley Mayberry, you folks were on that episode, <coughs> Ashley had pointed out that she, she and, and others who were part of the wrestling school believe that Teddy and Chasen know what happened to Samantha Fiddler. So when we think about the documentary, first of all, Chasen Rance was in the documentary. What did you oh, think he was too. Did you see the smile on his face when the camera was on? Yeah. Yeah. He was, um, yeah, listen, the guy, the guy is, he was on reality TV before, right? So he's, he's always prepared to be on camera. That's, that's for sure. I would not have a big smile like that, regardless of what's happening on camera. I'm not media trained, though, so I don't, you know, what do I know? So, you know, but Jason definitely, he looked to be well moisturized, too. Did you notice that? He, he looked like he just wrestled a rotisserie chicken. He looked, he was well moisturized. This guy, he was tanned up, you know, he had some extra dippity do in his hair. Like, the guy was ready to be on TV. And he certainly was. Um, now, I have to say, they used only a few minutes of material of, from what I understand, was more like a two-hour session of talking to him. But in those few minutes, it sure seems like, you know, they, they, what did you think of the picture that they painted of Chasen? How do you think he, he represented himself in that? Well, I think he, I think he's a raging narcissist, first of all. Uh, and you can see it come out of his pores when he sits down for the interview. But I think both of them, Chasen and Teddy pronouns, um, know way more than they said. I love that they both tried to downplay their relationships. Um, but those guys from what I understand, which is not a lot, um, have been friends for a long time. So take that for what it's worth. Well, see, here's the thing. I didn't understand the sequence of events, the timeline, until I watched this documentary. I didn't realize that Samantha Fiddler, when she left Chase and Rance's school, that she actually went to another wrestling school before she disappeared. So my question is, why isn't anyone talking about the other wrestling school? Yeah, I think it's because Chasen's already a little dirty and Teddy's already a little dirty and, you know, dirt sells. I'm curious about that, though, because I think the, the other wrestling school should be questioned just as much as, as, as Chasen. Oh, I agree. I don't, think, I don't think the documentary was comprehensive as far as the investigation is concerned. I don't think they overturned all the the stones not well because this guy first of all this this guy who did the documentary um interesting character his intention was to put teddy hart over he witnessed so much and he still continued to put teddy hart over until he realized he could probably be held accountable for at least being complicit in some of this stuff and then he turned it into a crusade of trying to entrap teddy hart that's my impression of what this project was, right? I, I mean, so, I agree. I think right? he started out, you know, with the reality show idea. And, and Teddy is a character, 100%. Sure. Um, it's one of those things where you're watching this documentary, docu-series, and you can't 
you know some of it's real, but you also know that this can't be real. It can't be. It, it's, it's, it's unfathomable that this guy could live in a big house with, with seven girlfriends and 85 wrestling students and a janky ring in his backyard and a hundred cats. What? Yeah. Just bizarre. And, and they're bizarre. having threesomes in the bathtub and all this crazy. What? Bizarre. Like my life is nuts, but damn son. Bizarre. Completely bizarre. Um, they showed the fact that Teddy Hart and Samantha Fiddler were in a relationship together, despite the fact that Teddy has denied that. But you know, this is this is proven that you were with this this woman. There's, there's no question about it based on the documentary evidence that is there, right? That's what you get for putting everything on camera all the time. Um, and at the end of episode one we saw Teddy threaten to choke out Machiko. Yeah. Which then that called in the question, because before that, we didn't see any kind of real violent side to him. But then that called everything into question. Like, oh, what's up with this guy? Right? So in episode two, he, he says he can kill people with the snap of a finger. He can have them killed. And then it's like, oh, okay. Then his father says that, you know, for the wife and the girlfriend who, who sued Teddy, saying that he, he um, raped them and held them against their will, he said that he hired the best lawyers because they have money and that's his son. And then he made an interesting statement. I want to get your take on this. The father of Teddy Hart said that if Teddy's ex-wife, if he was her father, Teddy Hart would be in jail and she would have won all the legal battles. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. He said, but Teddy's my son, so that's why he won the legal battles. So this man is not saying that Teddy Hart is innocent. He's saying that he spent the money and he got the best lawyers and that woman doesn't have enough money to have the best lawyers. And that's why Teddy won and she lost. What's your take on that? I mean, he's not wrong. That's how the legal system works. The most honest thing in the whole documentary. That's, right? yeah, I mean, that's, that's the truth. Money, money talks and bullshit walks. And, you know, I, I feel bad for his parents. I do because their son is cuckoo bananas and they got to deal with it and help clean him, you know, his messes. And yeah, it's true. It's true. So, Teddy gets off on the on the kidnapping and the rape charges, and he's with this Macheco. Well, no, he's with Samantha Fiddler. Brings her to, to Chase and Rance's school. Rance claims that he didn't really know the girl that that well. She was just with Teddy. He didn't spend much time with her. She was gone within a week or so. She is documented going to a different school. But then she starts working for some kind of landscaping company. And somehow, some way, she ends up running afoul of the law. She gets in trouble a few times. Then she finally gets arrested for trespassing at a hospital. And she ends up in jail. She has to spend some time in the slammer for this trespassing because she couldn't bail herself out. And then when they finally release her, she makes a couple of phone calls and then disappears. Gone. Gone off the face of the earth. Everyone who's ever commented on it, who knows her, says they've never heard from her again. So in Teddy Hart, he's here, there, he's everywhere. He he's shown his violent streak. Um, threatening to choke women out. Women are saying that he's doing things, even though he was able to buy himself out of any kind of legal problems that would be associated with the allegations. I mean, overall, sticks it based on the documentary. Forget about what you what you have heard and what you've seen down in Florida yourself. Based on the documentary, do you think Teddy Hart knows what happened to Samantha Fiddler? One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and I think Chasen knows more than he's saying too. Now, I don't know about that. 
and, I, and listen, the humanoids are going to be all over me over this. Oh, you gave Jason Rance a platform on your show, and now you're defending him. I'm not defending anything. I'm just speaking straight here. I have a problem with the fact that she went to another wrestling school after being at his wrestling school for allegedly a short amount of time. I want to know why there isn't more focus on the other wrestling school. Because we know that there's scumbags at the wrestling schools. And we know that there's drugs. And we know that there's stripping and there's prostitution. And we know that there's human trafficking. And we know that all those things are rolled up into it. Just had Loki on my show and he was talking about human trafficking and prostitution, right? And how that stuff is pervasive in pro wrestling. And there's another genuinely, like, he's a genuine stand-up guy. That's that's a guy I work with every day of the week. So so stand-up that, that people, you know, in wrestling, especially these promoters, they want to avoid him because they don't want to be held accountable. Because they certainly aren't going to up their standards. So, but that's another story for another day. But um, I want to know more about the other wrestling school. And I think that those folks should be picked apart. Did they ever say the name of the other school? Well, that's that's why I keep saying it, because they never said the name of the other school. And I've heard some rumors, but I want to confirm it before I actually say it. Um, but she may have spent more time at the other wrestling school than she did at Chasen School. And then that could be the case. And we know that she stripped for a little bit. And and allegedly she was arrested for prostitution. I don't know if that's been proven or not, but that's what was been floating even in the documentary. And let me just say, as someone who works in the adult industry, it's 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 it can be a dangerous p- profession. Well, if you don't work for the right club, if you don't work for the right boss, if you don't. If they're not on the up and up, it can be a very dangerous thing. Let me ask you a question directly. And I and I wanna I'm gonna say this on air. I'm not gonna edit this part out. Feel free to tell me that no comment. Because I'm not trying to put you in a bad spot. But let me ask you this directly. As somebody who's in pro wrestling and as somebody who works within the adult entertainment industry, for people who you know have been involved in both. The leap from being a stripper to being a prostitute, how much of a leap is that? Uh, depends on the girl. Okay. It depends on it depends on one thing and one thing only. The level of desperation for that person. Yep. And, and we know, I mean, this is this is a woman who I think, you know, allegedly Teddy took her passport. And she didn't have a place to stay. She didn't have any money. So what's the level of desperation there? Uh, and it's quick, fast problems create create a necessity for quick money. There it is. And if you need quick money and you're an attractive girl, sometimes that's the way. You know what I mean? Like maybe you didn't make enough at the club that night. So you got to do some some dirt. Um, and that's a, I mean, that's, that's as real as I can be about it. Have you seen people who have gone from wrestling to stripping to prostitution? Have you seen that triple threat there? I've never seen that trifecta, but I've seen stripping to the other. You know what I mean? and, and, And drugs is just a normal part of the, the atmosphere. Yeah. It's, I mean, not for our club. Um, and I'm not just saying this cause I work there. It's one of the cleanest clubs I've ever been around as far as like how it's run. I mean, it's how it's run, the the rules that we follow, the things that we do to protect the girls. I'm and I mean this 100%. Um I'm proud to work there. Um my family is not necessarily proud that I work there, but as far as nightclubs go, uh, in this industry, it's it's one of the most stand-up clubs out there as far as what I've seen. It's deep. I mean, because, you know, this all takes place down there in Florida. This whole story. And it's, she was in uh, she was in Orlando, then she was in Tampa, then she was kind of in South Florida, right? That was kind of her, her trek. And the further south you go, sometimes 
I've been I've been to clubs in Miami. I went to one club in Miami that was literally in a back alley. Uh, when we walked in the door, this is a shoot, one hundred percent true story. We walked in the door on the corner of where the strip club was, about fifty yards away. Somebody was getting arrested. As we're walking in the door, there's a girl waiting for a ride with no shoes on, who didn't speak English. Every girl in there didn't speak English, and I guarantee you, 90%, if not more, of those girls didn't get here with a visa or a, a, a free ride, if you know what I'm saying. Which, you know, people who can be taken advantage of, unfortunately, right? It's super easy, especially in that industry. If you're, you're a young girl, if you're a lonely girl with no friends, nobody to protect you, Nobody to smarten you up to how that business works. And there is a rhyme and reason reason and rhythm to that business. If you don't have anybody to protect you, it's really easy as a pretty girl who needs money to get trapped with the wrong people. So that's a possibility too. And it doesn't necessarily have to go back to Teddy. But I also don't believe he's telling the full truth. Yeah, something's missing with him. Something's missing. The guy is known for being a pimp for lack of a better term. Um, and there's question about the guy being involved in drugs. And I'm not talking just taking drugs either. So what's that? Yep. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, Teddy. That's that's the word out there around you. I'm not saying it's true. I don't know you. Um, you know, obviously I have an open mic. If you want to come on the show and, and defend yourself, you, you're more than welcome to. I wouldn't advise it <laughs> because... You look pretty guilty, buddy. And you know me, I'm going to let you talk and just keep digging. That's another story for another day. Um, I mentioned him a minute ago, you know, Loki, he was saying something about human trafficking and how prevalent it is in pro wrestling. How, you know, promoters will promise people certain things and people will travel far distances away from wherever they live. And then they get to a destination. And those things that were promised don't come to fruition, oftentimes having to do with money. And they may not have enough money to get back home. And they may have to do some things. There's no may not about it, especially if it's a student, right? Like if you're, I've heard stories of girls who are students who were promised a spot on the show that was not even far, like an hour away, two hours away from where you live, right? You get there. Not only do you not work, but then the after party that happens after shows, usually you get left behind. You get left behind at the party? At the party, wherever the party is, if it's at somebody's house, if it's in the back of the venue. I've heard tons of stories like that. That's that is so. So this human trafficking notion, there might be something to it. Then I've never seen it, so I can't confirm or deny it. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's scary. It is scary, and it's a it's a horrible aspect of what we do. It's it's amazing to me that in 2022, women are still treated the way they're treated. And most of them are incredibly talented. Not not all of them. Some of them are just young, naive girls who want to be wrestlers who don't have a lick of athletic ability, but they look good in tights. So they're easy to sell on a poster. Um, but I think in 2022, the way that we still sexualize the women's division of professional wrestling is 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 hard to comprehend because on larger levels on bigger stages they're doing incredible things but in the back alleys and and dark hallways of indie wrestling it's still smutty and customs and only fans and whatever the hell i think it sucks that's why I said, and I said it, I, it, you know, I'm not so certain I would recommend 
anyone that I know get into pro wrestling going forward. Unless it's you know, and especially young women or, or young men who are not equipped to to defend themselves. People who are impressionable enough to just go along with what other people say to them. You know, unless it's a reputable, certified, no question about it, this is a legitimate school, I wouldn't recommend anyone break into the business in most of these little rinky dink nonsensical places with all the non listen. I, you know, you 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 have trainers slapping wrestlers in the face, open hands slapping them in the face and beating them up. You know, you you hear about the sexual harassment, straight up rape. People not getting paid, people being taken advantage of financially, where where you know the the promoter is living off of you and you're the student. All this stuff. Why the hell would you recommend anyone get into the business when that kind of crap is going on? I think, and you see <clears throat> at some of these less reputable schools, you see it when when you get a crop of students, younger, I don't know, 18, 19-year-old kids who love wrestling and just want to be wrestlers, right? And then they get hooked up with Joe Schmo, who only ever learned how to do a DDT. And they become like these little cults almost where the, the teacher is the leader because he was a star for 15 minutes and these kids follow him around. They buy him, you know, stuff from gas stations. It, I've seen it, you know, and like I was... 31, 32 when I started in wrestling, right? So I wasn't some young kid fresh off the farm. I don't, I already have a problem with authority. So for somebody to tell me, well, you got to follow me around to be successful. That's not how my brain works. But if you take a kid who's 18 years old, who just figured out, that there is a real world out there outside of high school and video games and a cell phone. And you put him in a situation where a guy who is in his mid thirties or his early forties can mold them and make them a drone of whatever they want them to be. It can be a dangerous situation. And not only that, but the kid never achieves whatever goal they set out for themselves because they're so wrapped up in, making sure that this leader is happy, right? Well, I got to ask, I saw a student one time ask permission to go to the bathroom. Are you kidding me? That's absurd. You're 18, 19 years old. You got to ask permission to take a pee. And it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, this is how, yeah, this is how it's designed, right? It shouldn't be that way. It, it, at any school led by anybody with a name, right? They teach you to be an individual, not to be a chess piece. They teach you how to be an individual and bring out the qualities of yourself that make you a star. If you have star qualities, they teach you how to bring those out in yourself, how to stand up for yourself, what it means to be an independent contractor, how the business of professional wrestling works and it is a business. It's not a game. It's not a, you know, it's not make-believe it's a business. And I am fortunate enough to not only understand that, but I want every time I go to a show, every single time I'm going to learn something. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I'm going to learn something. I'm not going to shows just to go to shows. I'm not one of those people that, oh, I'm just so glad to be in wrestling. No. I want to be great at this. I don't need you to tell me to go get you a bang and buy you a protein shake. Bro, do that yourself. I'm going to go focus. 
And that gets me a lot of heat because I don't always kiss the ring the way that you're supposed to kiss the ring in the world that is professional wrestling. But I, I'm not going to let anybody push me around. I don't care what your name is and who you used to work for. But a lot of people, young people, kids, I can say kids because I'm 36, a lot of kids get in this business and they get suckered in by some jamoke who never did nothing. And they think that's the way it's supposed to be because they get brainwashed into this mentality that if I don't do what he says, I'll never get over. Chances are, if you didn't do what he told you to do, you'd get more over. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe You know what I mean? But like that's just the way I look at it. No, nah, man, you, you hit it right on the head. I appreciate the honesty and, and calling it the way that it is. You know? Sticks, what's the best way that anyone listening can uh, keep up with you? Because you're you're an exciting guy. You always have something fun posted on social media. What's the best way to keep up with Sticks? Well, uh, Twitter, Instagram are the same. Sticksman92, S-T-I-X-Man92. Uh, and Facebook is just Sticks, Ken Sticks Ray, or Sticks, the world's most famous plaything. It's been fun, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, brother. And, and listen, uh, to your lovely girlfriend, uh, shout out to her. Yeah, know. man. I, she called in the middle of the show, a little breaking <laughs> the fourth wall here, so I had to answer it. But she also wanted me to mention Herbodacious Boobas. There you go, babe. That's a true story. She definitely said that she wanted that mentioned again on air. So there you go, babe. There you go, babe. Um, Stop it. Yeah, it sticks, babe. Hey, you know? when are you going to get a hall hey. pass and come down here so I can get you in trouble? Listen, man, I, I, I have lived a very um, simple, uh, trouble-free life for many years Yeah, yeah, now. yeah. Listen, <laughs> hey, I want everybody to understand this. I want everyone that's listening to understand this. I'm going to say this on air, and Duke's going to get mad. But everyone knows that you're a heel, brother. <laughs> Just be a heel. You know what? The best part the best part about me being a heel is me pretending to be a baby face. Yeah, it's worse. It's the worst because I know you're full of shit. <laughs> That's the best part. Listen, before I let you go, Sticks, I just want to say, uh, you know, obviously happy holiday, all the holidays, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever, whatever you celebrate. Um, and also, you know, to your lovely mom, Mama Sticks. Just want to let you know that uh, we're thinking of you. We appreciate you. We hope you have a fantastic rest of the year and holiday. And most importantly, 2023 is going to be the best year of your life. I'm glad that we get to be a part of each other's lives because I always appreciate you, my brother. And I appreciate you. And, and again, shout out love to Mama Sticks. Uh, great woman there. She birthed a legend over here. No, she found me. She didn't birth me. I was I was a front porch baby until she picked me up and took pity on me. Wow. And look at you now. <laughs> look at me now. 220 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal and four legs of problem. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.